District 4 and all of Augusta. My name is Leah Abney and I am a candidate for the District 4 School Board seat here in Augusta, Richmond County. I've spent nearly 30 years working at the federal level in strategic planning. Now I believe it's time to come up with a strategic plan to dramatically improve our school system. First, we need a strong technology infrastructure to enhance learning opportunities. No family should have to deal with the challenge of inadequate internet service, yet millions of families in this country deal with that reality. We need to continue developing community-based partnerships to address critical issues such as funding and mentorship. Finally, we need to uplift and establish a sustainable workforce. We are living in truly challenging times, but I believe I am the candidate with a vision to help us push through. I just need your vote on Tuesday, November 3rd. I certainly encourage people to take advantage of early voting. With that said, whether you cash your vote early or on election day, vote Leah Abney, the candidate for District 4. Welcome to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. As you can hear, uh, my voice is a little muffled because, hey, let's face it, we're living uh, in a, you know, the era of COVID-19. Nevertheless, I have a, a young lady here who I'm so impressed with. Uh, she's actually running for the District 4 school board seat here in Augusta, Richmond County. Uh, I'm so glad to have Leah Abney on the podcast with us today. How are you doing today? I am doing very well. Thank you so much for meeting with me today. So glad to have you on. I want to jump right into the conversation because I had a chance to, you know, go to your website and just look at some of your credentials. Uh, I am really impressed. I want to start with uh, your history as a strategic planner. Kind of take us through that because I understand you have 27 years of experience in that regard. Kind of tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. It was actually um, a veteran. So I thank you for your service. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I actually got in the military about, I was like 10 years in. And so I just took a leap of faith. I um, found myself getting out. But my journey into being a um, strategic planner actually didn't start at that point. Actually, I was um, worked in early childhood. So my background does include some early childhood, working with young adults. I'm working with teens in the community at the uh, elementary school all the way to the high school. And I actually was working on my master's degree (laughs) with (laughs) Phoenix University. Yeah, hold on, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And at that time, I didn't know what career field I actually wanted to go into at that time as I was transitioning. And my first civilian employer he recommended that I go into public administration. And that's actually where I started working in strategic planning. Okay. So at that time, I was um, in an office. I was actually a customer service officer, working as a contractor. <laughs> and I worked in an office, and I was actually in Germany at the time. And in the office I was working with, that's when I got exposed to strategic planning. That's Wow. So you've been, look, the, uh, your, your service is kind of taking you all over the place. That's, that's great. The next question for me, I, you know, and I'm sure many people are listening, like, man, you had a really distinguished career. What uh, has inspired you to get into the political arena? It really began with just my um, interest in sharing knowledge. When I was in the military, one of the things I noticed, especially when it came to young men and people of color, 
<laughs> okay, I'm talking about African American community. Folks, yeah, sure. it's black folks. <laughs> One of the things I find out is that we often got left behind when it came to promotions. And so I was a big advocate for these young people getting their education and getting them focused while they were still in the military in those lower ranks so that they can reach those advancements because it wasn't always available to us. Even getting promoted from E4 to E5 to E6, I was always finding that we were getting kind of left behind and we find ourselves, you know, 10, 12 years in and we still haven't even made E5 yet. So that really began with me um, wanting to share that knowledge and after that I find out that there were some disparities that exist even at the collegiate level when it came to us getting an education. So that's where my big interests start coming into the school system. Right, so just advocacy and just kind of a, a conscientiousness. How do you think your, as you saw that in the military, how do you think that will translate you know, on a school board? What would that look like in your estimation? And we'll get to your campaign in a minute, but I just want to ask you that question specifically. Okay, yeah, absolutely. It translates an understanding that um, we don't all learn the same way. Okay, first of all. I'll also translate in what is learned in a classroom doesn't really fit the culture of the black community. Right. <laughs> and that's when I really start getting this understanding that there is a lot of disparity as far as, far as what we're being taught and what we actually need when we leave the classroom. Mm. And are we really prepared to be competitive in the workforce? And that gap is so, it's I mean, it's right? so wide <laughs> that I couldn't understand it. So my interest not only came about what was being taught in the classrooms and how we're preparing our young people when I was in the military, but then I start realizing even when they were in the military, when they were transitioning out, were they prepared? Mm. So if they didn't make military a long-term career, what were they going to find themselves doing? Were they going to be homeless? Were they going to find themselves getting jobs that would put them below poverty line after they'd given their life? And then I found that issue didn't just exist in the military, it existed in our own communities. And so the change has to start somewhere. We want to say it starts in high school, that change doesn't start in high school. That change starts actually in middle and uh, elementary school. And so we have to find a way to be able to groom our young people so that they're prepared as they're transitioning from elementary school into middle school into high school. And so what I found myself when I transitioned to um, Augusta, and that was in 2009, I actually was um, given an assignment to start what we, uh, which today is a nonprofit organization. Back then it was known as Character Life Skills. And Character Life Skills was just about um, ensuring that our young people in this community receive the necessary skill sets and leadership and character development skill sets to help them transition from high school into the workforce. Man, that, I sometimes I get guests, y'all, and <laughs> you guys can't see it. But I start goosing up because I get so excited because whenever you get a guest that's speaking not just with knowledge but with compassion and with just a conscientiousness, I get excited because now I'm like, oh, it's, there's a different set of questions I can ask you. And there's a, a very important question that I want to ask you after we talk about your campaign that I think will really resonate. I just think with this conversation, I think our listening audience will understand why I want to ask that question. Okay. But in the meantime, I want to focus on some of the key points of your campaign, if you could share that with the listening audience and why you believe that uh, is important. 
uh, as we look at you know dramatically improving uh, Richmond County uh, school system. Yes. <laughs> so I, I just want to share this real quick. So in the process of developing the nonprofit organization, which is now known Victory Leadership Group. Um, one of the things I did was I wanted to set up a computer lab. I wanted to set up a lab for teens to be able to come in. Well, one of the places I went to was actually to Richmond County. <laughs> <laughs> I went to there because, um, you know, back then they had the liquidation type sales, you know, that you can go in and you can buy these things. And when I find what I was pulling off the shelves was actually some of the same equipment they had in the classrooms, which was so outdated and could not hold anything. And then even when I was called to a lot of schools, um, during that time, I have been sought after to go into the schools to provide workshops. The equipment did not work. I had to actually lug in my own mm. equipment to be able to do the different sessions with the teens. And so I realized, oh wow, there's such a huge gap. This is a of top technology. We got cyber center intelligence right here, constantly growing but our schools don't have the technology. There's a disparity. Let me say, too, we are actually <laughs> doing this podcast from the Cyber Center. It is a wonderful facility. I hate to cut you off. No. But I just want to let people know we are, we are here. <laughs> it is. It's dope. <laughs> it's a great facility. It is. But then why are our young kids that are in school, when they leave, they're not even prepared for the workforce. Because mm. everything, like, literally, let me put it this way. I go to work, and my whole day is on a computer. Because everything's done through technology. The systems that I need to access is another um, system of technology that I have to access to do my work on a daily basis. Everything is changing, even for how you buy things. And you consume, how we as consumers consume things. But we don't have that technology available for our kids to learn. Talk to a, talk to a college student who has to go from flipping a textbook to going to college and having to do everything on do everything on a desktop or on a computer. From doing research to doing the papers to interacting right. <laughs> with other individuals. And, that and and I, just let, I just want everybody to know we're laughing because you're, you're falling off. Yeah. Just, look, those are things that happen during the course of a podcast. We're, look, we're going to keep it in because that really just... Uh, shows just an example of technology and just shows how, I mean, how fast-paced things are. I, I really want to make this live for the listening audience um, because what's going to happen is, is that we're going to be in a situation where, so we're here in this great cyber center, mm -hmm. but 10, 15 minutes down the road, you're going to have some child, some family who does not have in access to the Internet. Right. And that's the reality of uh, nearly 16 million, 16 million. Uh, uh, students in K-12 through in this country. We'll return to Making a Difference after these messages. What's going on, everybody? It's Knife Wonder right here, man. And you're checking out Making a Difference with my man Ken Macon. Keep it locked. Peace. Got a sweet tooth? Well, get ready because it's about to get socked in a tasty way. My name is Sherrod Sockwell, and I'm the founder and baker of Saki Sweets. A passion for baking homemade sweets was passed down to me from my grandmother. It's now my desire to keep her tradition alive and provide the utmost service. Cheesecakes, cupcakes, pies, you name it, we have it. What I really take pride in are our themed cakes. Do you have a child's birthday or a special occasion coming up? We can give it a unique flair with a cartoon style, 
game, or whatever you desire. Call me today at 803-761-4137 or hit me up on Facebook at facebook.com slash sakisweets and that's spelled S-O-C-K-Y-S-S-W-E-E-T-S or you can hit me up on my Instagram handle also at sakisweets. Do you need insurance for your car, home, life, or business? Then trust Jay Harvey, your Allstate insurance agent in Evans, Georgia. He opened his agency in 2017 because he loves helping and working with people. As a husband and father, he understands the importance of helping families prepare for the unexpected. You can get a personalized insurance quote today by calling 706-434-8106. Jay's office is located at 3118-8 William Few Parkway in Evans, Georgia. Remember, you're in good hands with Jay Harvey, your neighborhood Allstate insurance agent. It's the West Coast diva. Tell them, follow the leader. It's yo, yo. You're listening to Making the Difference with Ken Making. I just wrote a commentary about the illusion of school choice. And there was actually a, um, you may have seen this picture of the two young ladies in front of the Taco Bell. Uh, They were in front of the Taco Bell because they were using the Wi-Fi from the restaurant. What makes that, what made that picture so disappointing and tragic was that that county was 45 minutes away from Silicon Valley. A tech mecca. We know what Silicon Valley means. Apple, Microsoft. But 45 minutes away, you got some kids who can't even get on the internet from their house. They got to go down to the local restaurant to get on the internet. And those are some of the the realities that are facing. So obviously, uh, technology is a huge part of your campaign. Absolutely. And one of the things I want to do is ensure that we have a strong technology infrastructure. What does that look like? One-to-one computer access for students. Mm -hmm. Not only for students, but some of the teachers don't even have that. Right. So we're expecting them to do their job. 400,000 teachers. Yes. <laughs> we're looking for teachers to do their jobs, but then they don't even have the access to it. We're also looking at um, another thing I want to ensure is that we are bridging the gap on community-based partnerships. We have to start thinking that um, the school operates as an entity by of its own. Okay. There is a city of individuals that are in the school, from your administrators, your educators, you got your um, transport workers, your kitchen staff, okay, that's making sure they're being um, fed. You got your custodials. Of course, you got the most important piece, which are your parents, and you also have your students, okay, because this is what this is for. Whereas this outside um, environment that can greatly impact either help or they can be absent. Because guess what, eventually those kids that are gonna leave that school, they're gonna end up into the workforce. Mm -hmm. What do you wanna have coming to work in your your facility or your business? Do you want a viable workforce? So how are businesses giving back to the school system? So I would like to see a lot more businesses getting involved in solving some of our critical issues. And even when it comes to technology, how can we turn around and we can tap into those businesses that are local that offer resources when it comes to technology to help build a stronger um, foundation for our school system so we won't have to find any disparities or challenges when it comes to technologies in our schools we shouldn't in this day and age we should not be facing that right man that's and that's such an expansive conversation you know when you talk about businesses stepping in uh, obviously 
fi financially, you know, just donations, yes. but also opportunities, you know, just, just for mentorship. I mean, even if you say, okay, well, we understand there's some, and Richmond County does some of this now through the RPM program. Mm -hmm. I understand uh, one of the manufacturing um, companies here, they bring, I think it's 60 kids that are coming in, and so they spend half the day at school and half the day over there, and, uh, you know, they're getting their paycheck, just different things like that, but obviously those are, those are programs that we can build on and that more businesses can step up because, look, there are kids who may not want to school, may not want to go to school, but they also may not want to be in manufacturing. They may want to be in, look, let's bring Another some of them over here to the cyber center. Just different things like, you know. There's there's opportunity. You know, I had this conversation with my daughter and I told her I was running for the school board. Mm -hmm. And she says, oh, great, mom. She said, please bring change. Mm -hmm. I said, talk to me. I said, what are the things that you think is so important? She said, we need options for career. She said, because not everybody wants to do cyber intelligence. Not everybody wants to go into middle, middle school. Now she's in, she is a sophomore in college. And here she is telling me what needs to happen with the school. She has not forgotten what is essential and is needed. And so we have to bring more opportunities to our classrooms, more career opportunities so that our kids are prepared. The last thing that I definitely want to look at is our workforce. You can't have schools without val you know, valuable workforce. Even in this state, uh, I'm working on my doctorate degree. And so one of the research that I have looked into has to do with organizational support. And organizational support is really just, that particular theory is really just looking at individuals, people in the workforce want to feel that they're valued and that they are supported to be able to know that they can advance in the career field that they're in. Otherwise, you're gonna be end up getting this big gap. Right now, we got baby boomers that are retiring in every career field. Some of the critical um, career fields that is being impacted right now is our education system and as well as our medical system are two of the critical areas. And if we don't find a way to bring value to sustain that knowledge and experience, we're gonna find ourselves falling so far behind that we will not be able to catch up with other countries. The word that, that comes to mind is morale. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that I, I really think is just so challenging, particularly being in a pandemic. Because those two fields that you talked about, I really feel like are being, they're obviously essential, but they've been so undervalued because I think yeah. there's just this callousness where it's like, well, we gotta get back to normal. Well, you gotta understand you have people who've worked in the medical field who have just dealt with six months and counting of you know, the effect of 200,000 deaths you know, right. because of COVID-19. We have teachers who were like, no, we're not ready to go back to school. And the school systems were like, well, I don't wanna say they, they said we don't care, but you can tell there's a, there's a, a, a level of discomfort and it's yielding this low morale in education in the medical field, and it's just one of those things that where you're saying where, where we have so many essential workers who feel that they aren't valued. And so that's something that you're proposing that, that you're gonna bring, you know, if elected to say, hey, we value you teachers. Um, I wanna say uh, it was Laney High School was one of the schools that had COVID. I know some of the schools actually, and I'm, I'm kind of rambling here, but some of the schools actually had to deal with flooding yeah. over, the, over yeah. the last week. So look, custodians now are MVPs. <laughs> yeah, and, so, and you know, th these are the un what I consider to be the unsung heroes. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I had, don't ask me what made me do it, <laughs> but I was just going to say, guys was like, go do this. So when I first got here in 2009, 
one of the things I did was I ended up getting a, a job because I, I missed being with young people. And I um, got a job working for the family Y, and I did the before and after school program. So my morning looked like this. <laughs> I wake up in the morning, I'd have my daughter ready, you know, with me. We would go to um, one of the schools that I was doing the before and after school program. I would show up there, drop her off at school once I finished being with the kids, and then drop her off at the child care center, and then I'd go to work. I would get off, go back in the afternoon. <laughs> but I absolutely loved it. But this is what, what perspective it gave me. It allowed me to see who showed up at the school first mm. and understand the impact of the different um, dynamics of the school. Typically, the first person that's opening up the school is your custodial person, mm. the first one on the, on the scene. And that would be the first person I'd see walking up down the halls, mopping the floors, singing. Then you would see that kitchen staff before any other staff got on the site. Right. And then, of course, you know, you start seeing the teachers and the educators come. And then, so literally, I was like one of the first ones along with the custodial. But you turn around and you look at how much they get paid. And they have the responsibility for opening the building, and a lot of times they're the ones that's closing first the building. One to, first one there and last one to leave. And the last one to leave. But right now, if you go and check out the rate for a custodial worker, $9. Wow. Between $9 and $10 and 15 cents. Wow. Uh, that's, I mean, oh, man, that's that's awful. It is. And then turn around and look at your, you know, the other areas, you know, and, and yes, we want teachers to get paid. I think it's important. I, I, I'm a big advocate for teachers, right. a big advocate. But there are other areas in the school where you have these um, staff that are making sure that, you know, the school is running, that it's clean, that it's safe. They're in those schools, too. A lot of them are grandparents. A lot of them are guardians that had to, you know, take responsibility of raising somebody else's child. And raising a new generation. And they're a new generation of kids. These are individuals that are working two, three jobs just to make sure that food is on the table. And so it's not just about what they're learning in the classroom. There are other dynamics that are happening. So are we ensuring them? When I'm talking about community based partnerships, it's not just about what's needed to help them learn. It's about those resources that are needed even when they're not in the classroom. We'll return to Making a Difference after these messages. My name is Lauren Macon and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. This is Jared Williams, Democrat running for district attorney in Richmond, Burke, and Columbia counties. Kids belong in classrooms, not courtrooms. Young people need job sites, not jail cells. And we need a district attorney's office that respects, reflects, and protects the entire community. I'm Jared Williams, and I need your vote. Democrat Jared Williams for district attorney. Paid for by the committee to elect Jared Williams district attorney. This is Donald Doe and Michael Doe with Family Financial Consultants. Do you need help with Medicare, with affordable mortgage and life insurance, building an estate for your child? We provide these types of services for you and much more. As independent insurance brokers, 
We take pride in coming into people's homes and not only saving them money, but changing their lives. Imagine only paying a few dollars for your medicine instead of hundreds, or cutting the cost of your insurance premiums. Our goal is to provide affordable policies tailored to your individual needs. Give us a call at 803-293-8915 or 706-503-3933. Family Financial Consultants, LLC, located at 412 Edgefield Road in North Augusta, South Carolina. Agents work for companies, but a broker works for you. Hey, y'all, we're going to get back to the show in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about my good friends over at Quick Print Augusta. I want to tell you about some of the services they provide. They do family reunion t-shirts, political flyers, logo designs, church programs, church fans, brochures, business cards, and banners. So if you need any of those things, and I'm pretty sure you do, give them a call at 706-750-9779. That's 706-750-9779. You can also shoot them an email at info at quickprintaugusta.com. Info at quickprintaugusta.com. You can also hit them up on Facebook at Quick Print Augusta. But wait, there's more. If you mention making a difference to the good folks at Quick Print Augusta, they will give you 10% off of your order. Again, if you mention MAD, making a difference, they'll give you 10% off. Enjoy the rest of the show. Obviously, we always talk about encouraging you know people to come out and vote. But there's a question, I, as I promised I was going to ask you before. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but the current president and the administration, there is a, there's been some pushback on a, the 1619 Project, uh, which is a... A presentation that the New York Times had. There's been some pushback on that from, you know, kind of the right wing, uh, you know, folks and from Trump, who Trump actually came out and said, well, maybe we need a 1776 commission. So my first response to that was obviously, you know, the angst that I felt was from that commentary, but I also thought about school boards. Yeah. And one of the realities that I understand about public edu- well, education in this country is that. We do not adequately tell the history of African-Americans in this country. And so our kids don't know about 1863. They don't know about 1865. They don't know about Reconstruction. Mm -hmm. They know so little about Jim Crow. Even current history, you know, the history of the last 50 years, when you talk about, you know, just some of the effects of the war on drugs, just a lot of these things that really factor into why the world is in this country is the way that it is today. So the question I want to ask you is, you know, and this is something that may be bigger, maybe bigger than a board. It may be a, you know, an, an issue that's relevant to the country. But what can be done to, um, you know, inject or insert, or maybe even reform, or it may even require us to do something totally different? How can we make sure that history is taught to our children? I think it's particularly important in Richmond County because most of the kids here are black. There's a predominant African American community. How do we make sure they learn the history? You know, I was in an under platform and just recently this past week, and one of the things that I mentioned is that all of this requires a culture shift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and unfortunately, that starts at the head, and we just don't have that type of time. Not in this day and age and way that we're seeing things happen right now. And this is not to invoke fear or anything. Change, if people don't realize that times are changing, mm-hmm. times are changing. And the biggest thing is not being afraid to have the conversation. I know know it seems kind of redundant and everybody is hearing this, but we do have to start having a conversation. This is where our community comes into play. Where we have to start pushing that 
you know, can we get more books? And I mean, even when it comes to how many black authors are in our school library? Right. It could be just as simple as that. You know, how many visitors do you, do you have? And I'm, I have been very, very blessed. But are you now gonna censor us when we come into the schools and what we can and cannot say? And um, I've been blessed to be able to come into multiple schools, you know, where they're like, Miss Leah, can you please come and speak with our young girls? Can you come do this workshop? And so when I do go in there, I make sure that the group that I understands that there are challenges when it comes to us going into the workforce because we lack knowledge. So when I get, you know, um, onto these different platforms, I make sure that I'm bringing that piece to the table and I'm, bringing, I'm not hiding from it. You know, until they put a muzzle on me, <laughs> I'm going to have the conversation. Right. And, it, and, and yes, if I'm sitting in that seat, we're going to have the conversation. That's good. That's good. I mean, that's, and that's what it takes. And that's why, like I said, with my podcast, one of the things I love is the autonomy of it. Because people can't say, no, you can't say that. No, you can't say that. Obviously, yeah. school board's a little different. But I appreciate your conviction and your willingness to say, hey, you know, we need to at least have the conversation. If elected, I am, you know, obviously I'll be very excited uh, to see, you know, what you will be bringing to the table. Because I know you'll be bringing a lot of energy and a lot of innovation. But with that said, in order to get you there, people got to come out and vote. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Look, if you, if you want to encourage the listening audience, uh, just kind of tell them about the urgency of voting and looking and maybe who they should vote for. <laughs> well, you know what? It's, it's important. And I know, um, can I just be blunt? <laughs> look, we've been being blunt the whole time. Let's, look, we're not going to change it up now. <laughs> we may not like who's on the ticket. But it's so important that the African-American community votes. Mm -hmm. That it's so important that our voice is heard. It's not just about, you know, um, who's on the ticket to be elected for president. When you opt not to vote, you also are saying you're not choosing who's going to sit in the Senate seat. You're saying, who's, you're, saying you're not choosing who's going to become the next um, general attorney. You're saying, you know, that sitting in that local attorney seat, you saying who is not or will sit on your school board, right. <laughs> which I would love to sit on your school board <laughs> in District 4, but that's what you're saying. When you opt not to go and vote, there are other areas that need your vote. That needs your vote, and it's so important. I'm going to add this as well. Um, it's a way for your voice to invoke change and to be a catalyst for change. The more that vote, the more change you'll see. Without the vote, you can't, it's the only thing that they gave us in this democracy for the black people to have a vote. And people before us have fought so hard for that. So how can I dare not take up that right that was given, me, given to me through blood, sweat, and tears for me to go vote is the only thing that I have that nobody right at this point cannot take from me. And I'm gonna exercise that to the fullest. The other thing that I really recommend that people do, and this is just my knowledge as a strategic manager and strategic planning, things do not get built without knowing why you're building it. 
We got a few more days before the census is over. And if you think voting is important, census, completing that census is even more important. Why? If I want to build this facility right here, I have to say how many people will it impact. And if they didn't have the numbers to justify it, they were not getting the funding to build this facility. And it's the same thing in our city. If we don't get the numbers in our city, we're not going to get the schools. We're not going to get the um, early start programs. We're not going to be able to build sustainable um, businesses in our community. Our hospitals, we're not going to get those. So please, people, if you hear my voice, <laughs> please fill out the census. You can go to the website. Just Google Census 2020. Go ahead and go to that website. It only takes you a short few minutes. Go ahead and do that and register to vote. Please do. So glad to have Leah Abney. Just a wonderful conversation. She's running for the District 4 School Board here in Augusta, Richmond County. Thank you so much for joining us on Making a Difference. Thank you for having me. The revolution will not be televised. You see, a lot of times people see, 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 see battles and skirmishes on TV and they say, aha, the revolution is being televised. Nah, the results of the revolution are being televised. The first revolution is when you change your mind about how you look at things and see that there might be another way to look at it that you have not been shown. What you see later on is the results of that, but the revolution, that change that takes place will not be televised.